Hello, this is Martin Wolf, Chief Economics Commentator of the Financial Times, with my podcast. Why Obama's plan is still inadequate and incomplete, January the 13th, 2009. Last week, President-elect Barack Obama duly unveiled his, and I quote, American Recovery and Reinvestment Plan. Its title was aptly chosen. For Mr. Obama spoke astonishingly, as if the policies of the rest of the world had no bearing on the fate of the U.S. He spoke, too, as if a large fiscal stimulus would be enough to restore prosperity. If that is what he believes, Mr. Obama is in for a dreadful shock. The difficulties he confronts are much deeper and more global than that. I have little doubt that his advisers are telling the president-elect just this. The points they are, or should be pressing on him, are these. First, the Japanese policymakers, who told everyone that the U.S. was in danger of falling into a prolonged period of economic weakness, were right. To understand why, you need to read a brilliant book by Richard Koo of the Nomura Research Institute, In this, he explains how the combination of falling asset prices with high indebtedness forces the private sector to stop borrowing and pay down debt. The government then inevitably emerges as borrower and spender of last resort. Because the Japanese government knew this at least, the country suffered a prolonged recession rather than a slump. It has long been argued that the U.S. could not suffer like Japan. This is just wrong. It is true the U.S. has three advantages over Japan. The destruction of wealth and the collapse of the Japanese bubble was three times gross domestic product, while U.S. losses will surely be far smaller. U.S. non-financial companies do not appear grossly over-indebted. And despite efforts by opponents of marking assets to market, recognition of losses has come far sooner in the U.S. In other respects, however, the U.S. is still more vulnerable than Japan after its recent debt binge. The rest of the world's economy was big and dynamic enough to sustain Japan's exports, but the whole world is now in recession. Moreover, the U.S. is both a deficit and a debtor country. Mrs. Watanabe trusts her government. How far does she trust Uncle Sam? How far, indeed, does President Hu Jintao? Any complacency about U.S. recovery prospects is perilous. Moreover, the fact that the U.S. has a structural current account deficit as bearing on the second point Mr. Obama's advisers must make. Fiscal stimulus is a necessary palliative for a debt-encumbered economy afflicted by falling asset prices. But the likely longevity and scale of the needed fiscal deficits are quite scary. In last week's column... Choices made in 2009 will shape the globe's destiny. I argued that the debt-encumbered U.S. private sector would now be forced to save. The excessive income over expenditure in the private sector might be, say, 6% of GDP for a lengthy period. If the structural current account deficit remained 4% of GDP, the overall fiscal deficit would need to be 10% of GDP. Moreover, this will be the structural or full employment deficit. The Congressional Budget Office forecasts that U.S. output will be 7% below potential over the next two years on unchanged policies. If so, the actual deficit should now be much larger than the structural one, 
It is easy to see, therefore, why the critics argue that the Obama plan for an additional fiscal stimulus of 5% of GDP over two years is too small, even though the CBO forecasts a baseline deficit of 8.3% of GDP this year. It is also easy to understand why many object strongly to tax cuts, since the more likely cuts are to be saved, the larger the overall package must be. And in addition, taxes will clearly have to rise in the longer term. The bigger point, however, is not that the package needs to be larger, although it does. It is that escaping from huge and prolonged deficits will be very hard. As long as the private sector seeks to reduce its debt, and the current account is in structural deficit, the U.S. must run big fiscal deficits if it is to sustain full employment. And that leads to the third point Mr. Obama's advisers must make. This is that running huge fiscal deficits for years is indeed possible, but the U.S. could get away with this only if an inflationary default were out of the question. At the end of the Napoleonic Wars, the U.K. had a ratio of public debt to GDP of 270%. This was brought down over a century. Growth, the gold standard, and the commitment to balanced budgets did the trick. The question is how much debt the US, or UK, can accumulate now. My guess is that the US, at least, could hope to run very large deficits for years if these were used to finance the creation of high-quality assets. But the policy could not safely endure throughout a two-term presidency. Yet contrary to widespread belief in the U.S. itself, a swift return to small fiscal deficits, high employment and rapid growth will not occur spontaneously. It is necessary to make structural changes in the U.S. and world economies first. This is the last point Mr. Obama's advisers must make. What then are these changes? First, there must be a credible program for what Americans call deleveraging. The U.S. cannot afford years of painful debt reduction in the private sector, a process that has still barely begun. The alternative is forced write-downs of bad assets in the financial sector and either more fiscal recapitalization or debt for equity swaps. It also means the mass bankruptcy of insolvent households and forced write-downs of mortgages. All this would also lead to big one-off increases in public debt. But those increases would probably be much smaller than those generated by a decade of huge fiscal deficits. The aim is to have a slimmer and better capitalized financial system and a healthier non-financial private sector balance sheet, and sooner rather than later. The Troubled Asset Relief Program should be used for such purposes. It will certainly need to be bigger. Second, and most important, the structural current account deficit has to diminish. The U.S. private sector is no longer in a position to run huge financial deficits as an offset to the demand-draining external deficits. The public sector can do so only for a few years. In the long run, the world economy must be sustainably and healthily rebalanced. This is a huge challenge for international economic diplomacy. It is also an essential element of sound U.S. domestic policy. Mr. Obama must be fully persuaded of these last points. If the fiscal deficits are to fall sharply in the medium term, as they need to, the new president needs effective programs for private sector deleveraging and global reform and adjustment. 
The fate of the U.S. cannot be determined in isolation. What this should mean will be the subject of next week's column. This podcast is available at www.ft.com forward slash wolf podcast. My columns are available at www.ft.com forward slash wolf. Goodbye.